0: This is Stories of Strength by MuscleTech, personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Stories of Strength, a podcast where we share personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength. I'm your host, Jay Cardiello, and today's episode, we are celebrating women in business, some of their amazing achievements, and the ways they are pushing the envelope. With me this week are two women who are turning their love of comfort and athletics into a business and pursuing their dreams off the court. Susan Walvers and Michelle Marseniac are here to tell us their story and give us some insight into how they made their transition from athletics to business. Welcome, Susan, Michelle. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Doing great, Jay. Thanks. It's an honor to have you on this show. Before we get into the business aspect and about basketball, can you tell me a little bit about your backgrounds and what initially inspired your love of sports and basketball? I would say the competition,
2: you know, initially playing, and I had a neighborhood full of boys and loved playing basketball with them so I could beat them, and uh, that's how I got into it.
1: Oh, that's great. That's great.
2: I had
0: a little, I was probably like two years old and- I was in my little bikini bathing suit at the beach and I was palming a basketball. It's kind of a Nerf, you know, ball. And it's just the cutest little picture. And it's just like, I have always said, like, I think I was born like with a ball, any kind of sport, basketball, soccer, football in my hand. And so with me, it started from a very young age of just loving as Susan said, the competition I loved the training aspect of sport and the, you know, just the the workouts and the discipline that you had to have in order to excel at at each whatever sport I was playing at the time. And I'd love to try to perfect what I was
1: doing within the sports. Oh, that's wonderful. You guys talked about the competition and training. I used to be an athlete myself. I went to the University of Arkansas I was a track and field athlete. And, uh, I just love the, th- the competition. And I love the training aspect of everything. So I can totally empathize in what you guys are you know, saying and everything.
2: Jay, Michelle is a sadist though. She like, <laughs> how, how many kids do you know that go out and run what they call suicides, line touches? You know, Michelle has been really impressive to me because she's a, I don't know if you know the difference between fast twitch muscle and slow twitch muscle. Yes. Yes. Fast twitch is very explosive type athlete. And that's totally mm-hmm. Michelle. But she went out and trained, and can and she's not like a distance kind of runner. I and mean, she'd run slowly, a couple miles a day, stuff like that. But she trained for uh, Ironman. An Ironman, wow! And finished, which is like unbelievable. Her first couple mini tries were kind of funny. Her mom told her she should <laughs> give up the sport, and <laughs> she'd start her swim and swim completely in the wrong direction. And <laughs> but for her to achieve that's pretty impressive to me.
1: An Ironman is very impressive. When when was this?
2: It was November, 2018.
0: It was in uh, Tempe, Arizona. For those listening that don't know what that entails as far as an Ironman. So it's a, it's a full length triathlon, basically that's called Ironman. Let's see. It's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 miles on the bike. And then you run a 26.2 full marathon after.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: You start at like five in the morning and <laughs> I didn't, I don't think I finished until like eight o'clock at night. It was insane. But uh, yeah, I've got lots of stories just from that Ironman and just from the training of that and and not being like, as Susan mentioned, not being like that person that I am not distance kind of person. So I, I learned so much about myself just through the training and obviously the race itself (laughs) as was, uh, it, it hurt, (laughs) but it's something I can talk about. It's something, you know, for the rest of my life that it was an accomplishment that I just kind of, I set out to do it. Susan said, I don't think you should or can do it, (laughs) which I took as a, I was just like, okay, I'll show you. My mother didn't think I should do it, nor could I do it. So, you know, it's just, I love that aspect of sport as well, which is just like,
1: <laughs> tell me I can't do something and I'll prove prove it to you that I can. That is a great mentality to have. So are you going to do another Ironman? Are you going to do another run or anything like that? No?
0: You know, I don't know. I'd rather focus on running. I'm never going to do a full one again, but I may get back into some halves, which is a lot more She's crazy, palatable and kind of normal to train for. The The fulls are just, you know, you're training 20 to 25 hours a week. It's a lot. Wow. So, and that's hard to just balance life that way.
1: That's definitely a full-time job. So how did you guys become business partners?
0: So Susan was the head coach at the University of South Carolina, and I was her assistant coach for, I think, Susan was there for like 11, mm-hmm. 12 years, and- I was there with her for the last five or six years. Yeah, so we were coaching together and I was wearing a pair of shorts that I love to train in more for the technical aspects of the fabric and bought some for Susan to try. And she made a different connection. She said, I love the drape and the feel of this fabric against my skin. I'd love to have bed sheets made out of this stuff. Mm. We looked at each other and we said, let's do it. Let's figure out if this has ever been done before. We gave the idea to the International School of Business and worked with the dean through Susan's relationships. We, you know, spent two semesters, did a full business plan, top-down research, feasibility study. The business plan came back, and it was so compelling that we resigned from our coaching jobs and became full-time entrepreneurs. Wow. That was about 15 years ago, I think, and
1: I don't know that we've taken a breath since, <laughs> to be honest. Wow. Now, what kind of research did you guys do with the... Uh- bedding in the fabrics?
2: Well, we hadn't been in business before, you know, coaching and playing our entire careers. We had to do a lot of research. And so a lot of online research around the textile, spending time with some of the top bedding companies in the country. And what we learned at that time is that most, almost all of manufacturing in home had moved offshore, but there was still a lot of expertise in the country. And so we met with those people. We did focus groups. We did, as Michelle said, feasibility studies initially went online to try to buy the product just because I wanted it and nobody was selling it. And then we figured out why. And we were able, because the manufacturing process was so different. If you take these high gauge circular knits and you try to make them into bed sheet sizes, you can have issues with the fabric. So we had to correct that issue. And we were able to get patents on what we're doing. The thing we knew about coaching is you're as good as the team you have around you. And so we surrounded ourselves with a great advisory group, great leaders. And we just, we were sponges for a couple of years as we tried to figure it out. It was a real learning process. And for me, that's fun.
1: You know, you mentioned something. It's very imperative about coaching. You know, we, we are the average of the five people we hang out with the most. So you have to have a good team around you, in essence, if you want to hit your vision or hit your goal. So it's very important to have it in a team. And, you know, coaching probably guys taught you a lot about that.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Great people. And we have a great team. Love the culture that we have. I know our team loves the culture that we have. You know, they say it all the time. They're, Thank you. You know, we went into COVID and that was a real challenge. And just trying to navigate our way through that as we had so many, so many of our products at that time at Bed Bath & Beyond. But we kept our team employed and they were very appreciative.
1: They're just a great group of people and it's a fun group to work with. Wow, that's amazing. Can you tell us about your company, sheets and what sets you apart from other performance bedding companies?
2: Well, there really aren't that many other performance bedding companies that are true, authentic, high-gauge circular knits, which are your really your nice, so, super soft technical fabrics. We have stretch in our product. So a lot of people who are claiming that their sheets are cooling or performance, it's not authentic performance fabrics. They're just claiming performance because their bedding may do something. Our bedding is, it's truly, it's a breathable, moisture wicking. Most sheets were designed to be insulating. Our sheets are actually designed to breathe and keep you cooler while you're sleeping. In the same way when you're running in an Ironman or you're out running, you know, or playing golf, you want to be cool, dry, and comfortable. So the sheets function that way we have like 12,000 five-star reviews. People who get them are ecstatic. The brand love that we have, the
1: product love that we have is really amazing. And we're excited to bring that out there. You mentioned about the cooling aspect. It's, it's very imperative because I know I, for one, I'm a, I sweat a lot at night. So how, how could that be effective if, you know, if a person like myself, an athlete who sweats a lot, how would I uh, embrace this?
2: Actually, what happens when you're getting hot and then your sheets absorb that moisture, that becomes very uncomfortable. With the moisture wicking, it spreads that moisture out. And then because the fabric is so breathable, it will dry the fabric, which will keep you a lot more comfortable when you're sleeping. You know, that was one of our challenges, Jay, when we got into this and we really understood how performance fabrics helped athletes because we were those players who halfway through practice had to take your t change your t-shirts out because you know you were just soaked and you know when when we first saw these performance fabrics come out it made you know they were just much more comfortable and it was a much better practice experience for our kids. But most people when we got into this business our challenge was making that connection between sleeping cooler is actually a better sleep environment because people didn't realize that they knew they kicked their leg out. They knew they were waking up hot. They didn't realize why or that there could be a solution for that. A lot a lot of other companies out there have copied our messaging because it's impactful. And I think that helps us to tell our story, honestly, because people are, are realizing that now there's a lot more information out there about cooler sleep is better sleep.
0: I was just going to add, when Susan and I first started the brand, it was um, 2007 going into 2008. I mean, I even drew the logo at, at my parents' uh, kitchen table. You know, the, I mean, this is like a true entrepreneurial story that we have. And one of the first things we did is we took our our brand and, and a fixture. Uh, I have a, a really good friend and mentor, and Mimi Griffin, who was my fifth grade basketball coach, actually. So Mimi lives in Allentown, Pennsylvania at the time. I went to Mimi and I said, "Look, she, she runs the, all the US Open for golf events and so I went to her and said, "Hey, Susan and I have this idea and this brand and these sh- performance sheets. Is there any way that we can put, you know, a fixture in the merch merchandising tent at the US Open and sell pillowcases off of that fixture with like lots of branding and, you know, so we were able to do this experiment." for those five days and to sit there and even stand back and watch guys who were just coming in from the golf course and that were going up to the fixture going, what are these? But making the connection that this type of fabric is the fabric that they play golf in, or she plays golf in and just saying, okay, I get it because this is athletic performance fabric and it's moisture wicking, temperature control, breathability, transfer of heat, all of that. You understand that if you've played sports on the golf course or tennis court or whatever but we were able to see like visually see the connection and it's like oh yeah 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 this is yeah i get it
2: it was really cool you know guys would be holding up our pillows you know, we were looking at seeing you know as, do, do people get it you know is the, is the picture telling the story do they understand it guys would be holding up the pillowcases
1: and be like honey look at this you know this is cool this is new and that was a pretty exciting time. That is an amazing, exciting time. And it's interesting because, you know, we're always, as athletes, you know, I'm s- still an athlete, we're still always searching for sleep, something that's going to help us with our sleep. And it's interesting because sleep is one of the most underrated aspects of performance and training. How important is sleep to athletic career and why do you feel it is? Oh, it's critical. Sleep is
2: more important even than nutrition and training. You have to get your rest to recover. And co- it's not just sleep, it's the quality of your sleep that's that's really, really important. But it's interesting because more college teams are focused on that now and more pro teams. We hear from pro teams. We have pro teams that buy our product for their athletes. We have pro teams that are looking for consistency in the, when they travel. And that's been a compliment to us. So certainly we're connecting with our our
1: community there. And that's, that's been fun. Yeah, it's interesting, because sleep is getting more and more talked about in society, especially in the athletics realm. And, and there's a gentleman by the name of Dr. Matthew Walker, who discusses in his book that sleep is the most effective way to reset our brain and body health. Why do you feel that it's so important to reset our body health and brain health?
2: It's really just the way I mean, you, you go around one time, you have one life, every day is special. And to have that great night's sleep, makes your day better. You know, it just, it makes you perform better. It makes you, you think better. You feel better. You're happier. It's great for mental health. The fabrics that we're using in athletic wear can help anyone sleep better. And we have sleepwear too. And that came about because we had so many customers write to us, say, I get it, I get it, you know, and I love my sheets, but what about what I'm sleeping in? You know, we said, you know what, we really need to create an entire system of breathable products that will help deal with your microclimate while you're sleeping, deal with moisture issues to help people sleep better. But it's it's absolutely critical for your mental health, health and well being.
0: And Jay, the the thing that's interesting when you first introduced yourself as I, I used to be an athlete. It's like that's not true. It's like once you're an athlete, you're an athlete. So you can't like once you're an Olympian, you, you never say, "Well, I, I formerly was an Olympian." You you are an Olympian, right? Same thing with Ironman. So in that case, it's just. Yes, there's athletes out there, but there's also just performers, right? So if you think about people who get up every day and go to a job, they're performing, right? They're performing their job and sleep is, is so mission critical to mothers and fathers and, you know, whatever role that you have in life. And it's not, you know, it's not just about sleep for athletes, although sleep for athletes, even a one second last second shot or, you know, on the golf course, a critical putt, those kind of things. Like if, if you're dreary and tired and didn't get that body mind reset of recovery, it could cost you a game. It could cost you a championship. The same thing with a surgeon. Can you imagine if a surgeon just is sleepy during surgery (laughs) just because he didn't get a great, or she didn't get a great night's sleep. So I, I think we look at it especially because we, we've always said like, Everyone sleeps, right? So we're not just excluding this part of the population or that part of the population. Everyone has to get a great night's sleep. And so we're really focused on performers, whatever you do to perform that, you know, at your job or in your life or in your house,
1: as well as on the athletic field. You said something very imperative because you know, now as a father of three, my performance is, you know, being a father, being able to be not tired during the day. So I completely understand how performance changes maybe from a competing athlete to now a different person doing something different in society. So I can understand the performance and, of that as well.
0: Yeah. And, and the, the mental toughness that you once had as an athlete, it just shifts as we get older. Our lives in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, I mean, you're going to reset all the time. So, yeah, I, I, I love the fact that you just brought that up. Everybody needs to feel like there's the sleep that they get is important, not only for themselves, but the those around them and that be friends, family members, kids, et cetera.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's very interesting. You know, humans need more than seven hours of sleep, you know, as, as the sciences are saying, each night to maintain cognitive performance. Yet sleep is sometimes looked at as forms of laziness. When do you think our society is ever going to change to actually – be more of a proponent of sleep and seeing the value that it can play with a performance.
2: Really good point, Jay. And I think that's shifting. I think people are now really understanding the difference between or the importance of a great night's sleep, not just sleep, but, but sleeping that a really deep sleep and having a great night's sleep, because there is a lot more information out there. Cognitively, people need to sleep. Athletes need, need to sleep cognitively as well. It's critical. People are talking about it. There's a lot more information out there. We're excited about that. Certainly as coaches, we had curfews, you know, for our athletes. And that, you know, that was a mindset that we had to get them to get that sleep. Still very challenging, you know, when you have college kids on the road, but it was something that we had to make sure happened for them. But hopefully people do recognize the need for a better night's sleep.
0: What I think we can relate this to is the fact that there's technology in today's world. You've got the whoop whoop and you've got the aura ring and you've got every, every way to measure sleep. And back in the day, in our day, you know, we just told the kids to get a great night's sleep. What does that mean? It just meant, I don't know, on the road at an away game and you just have to close your door and go to sleep. <laughs> you know, it, it was not ever measured. But now I think society has gotten it like it's not cool anymore to say, hey, I I, I average four hours of sleep. It used to be some kind of a badge of honor to say that, right? Like if, if you get more than seven hours of sleep to your point, Jay, then you're you're lazy. Like, you know, you gotta get up at 5 a.m. and you gotta. And I just think society has changed because the information that you can get through technology to to physically show you that you did this, this, and this, and your sleep performance, your sleep score was 75. Well, it tells you why it was 75, right? And so now you've got all this information that you can take into your daily routine so that you start to become first and foremost, like you start to become owning your own sleep and sleep habits. And you can also feel the difference when your score is 70 versus 95. And then you start to correlate those two. And it's just like, okay, so I need more of this because I perform better.
1: No, you guys, make, you guys make very valid points because, you know, I used to be a coach myself. I coached collegially and I coached professionally in the NFL, and it was the same thing. You just check their beds. This is back in the 90s. You check their beds, go to sleep. But we really never told the athletes why they needed to get great sleep. And there was an always thing of why. And now through technology, you know, we're finding that performance is enhancing, whether, you, whether you're in the athletic realm or the non-athletic realm, performance does enhance with proper sleep. And you, Michelle, you brought up a very valid point. Which a badge of honor. It is a it is a badge of honor. People say I got four hours, and they go I got three hours, and it's almost like a fight to see who got the least amount of sleep. So I can totally understand where you guys are coming from. How did coaching prepare you for running your own business?
2: As I mentioned before, Jay, I think it's leadership in coaching is about helping others be successful. You know that's what coaching is, and I think that's where being coachable. Going into a a, was an important part for us that we had to be coachable. And it was important that we came in with an attitude to help our team achieve success individually, provide them the opportunity to do that and to grow and to care. You know, I mean, as coaches, we really care about our our players In in this work environment. We really care about our team. You know, and the individuals on our team. That's different than my perception of business before getting in. But I think we brought the sports culture into our business. It's keep compete, win together, stay in your lane, but look out for the overall organization and the success of the organization because everybody has a piece in that.
0: Yeah, and and you know, Susan and I, when we first started in in business as as young little puppy entrepreneurs. We were able to take that coaching philosophy and just really start from where we were. We always say, wait, Susan, is it you, you don't know what you don't know? You know, but we were sponges ourselves. Like we would, we understood the fact that we were new into this and we had to become, you know, not only trying to be entrepreneurs and running the brand, but we had to become sponges and learn as much as we possibly could in order to advance the business and we used to say you know we have to wake up every day make it better than it was the day before no matter what that means and whatever whatever bar was set the day before you have to wake up with kind of this a humble heart and just understand that you know you're trying to make this next day better and the business better the next day so because of we were coaches kind of understand the roles of where we were in that part of our journey, which was young and, you know, just really green and just trying to feel our way through it, but doing it through being sponges, making connections, uh, with people being available, saying yes to everything. Like you you never turn down a meeting. If, if it's the meetings in California, Hey, I'm going to be in California when you're really not going to be in California, but you say you're going to be in California (laughs) Because you need that meeting and you want that meeting, and so you know, just having like this, you know, get after it every day, don't leave any chips on the table. Uh, that's just the mentality that that we had as as young younger entrepreneurs.
2: And this this was an interesting category for us too, Jay. It was really a little bit of a culture shock because we came from the exciting world of <laughs> athletic brands. We watched Under Armour grow from nothing, yeah. You know, to you know, when we were coaching to being where they are today. I went to school at Virginia Tech with Kevin Plank's older brother. He played football. And so I watched his little punky kid kid (laughs) brother create this really big brand. You know, brands, we watch Nike evolve from being a not a very popular brand to being where they are today. It's aspirational, you know, and that sports branding is very aspirational. And we wanted to bring that same aspiration into the betting world. And when we, as I mentioned to you before, we spent a lot of time with the home textile groups. And it was like, this is really weird. I mean, this is a very male-dominated, little sleepy industry, and we wanted to disrupt it, not only with a unique product, but also with, you know, a functional product that could make people's lives better in the same way athletic apparel has, has done that. But in an exciting way.
1: Yeah, I remember when Under Armour first came on. I have a story with them back in uh, I think it was 1999 when I was working as a coach in the Arena Football League. It was I think Kevin who gave me a call and he said, "Can I send you some stuff?" And I was like, <laughs> "Under Armour, what's that?" So I do remember. I do remember <laughs> their growth.
2: We, we had the That's we funny. had the same experience, and they pitched to us. We were oh, you did. <laughs> we were sponsored by Nike at South Carolina and. They they actually are an Under Armour school right now, but listen to the pitch. Our strength coach would would walk in and he would be wearing this skin tight, you know, super buff, but the skin tight, you know, Under Armour shirt. And we'd look at him and be like, "What is that?" You know. But halfway through our, you know, kids were all wearing Under Armour under under their Nike. I mean, they just love that form fitting apparel and and how it functioned. So it, it was it was an interesting story for him.
1: Yeah, and Susan, they have done a great job ever since. So it's a Kudos to them. What has been, do you feel the most difficult part about starting the business?
0: Raising capital. Yeah. Why do you say that? It's just the the stages that you have to go through, when to take money, how much do you take, how much of the company are you willing to give away at certain points along the journey? It's just, if you're not in capital raising mode as an entrepreneur, let's just say you're never not in capital raising mode as an entrepreneur. Even when you just raise capital, you're looking at the next year or two years of when the next tranche is that you're going to have to go get, because it takes money to grow a business and you're not going to, it took Under Armour, I think 12 years before they started making any kind of bottom line profit. So it's not just snap your fingers. And so it takes the capital in order to keep the business going. So I, I just, I think Susan would agree with that. She probably has another answer As well. But for me and what I have to focus on and try to focus on
2: for us, capital is number one, the toughest thing to acquire. Well, there's so much around it, Jay. You know, if people want to grow, if they want a big business, if you want to run a small business, that's not necessarily the case. You start small and then you expand and you may never need. I know Sarah Blakely never needed a capital infusion, you know, running Spanx. But we had to learn SEC regulation, understand that. We had to learn, you know, what those roles on our team should look like, what we needed to hire. When Michelle and I first, not having finance backgrounds, I was going to be an urban developer after coaching. I wanted to go in and build planned cities, you know, and had an opportunity to coach and, and uh, followed that. But you need to understand what the roles look like, what you need. Michelle and I Thought initially we needed a CFO. We thought that we needed that as our first hire. We're going to go out and get a CFO. (laughs) That's very naive. (laughs) Very. So I'm reading through, I think, Business Week Magazine and looking at all, as I said, we were sponges, we read everything, read books, read everything we could find. But I'm reading through Business Week Magazine, and it's in Business Week, they have the top headhunters in the country. And one of the headhunters, uh, he was the president of North America for Corn Ferry, and he placed all of the people, the majority of the leaders into the Under Armour organization, and we were like, this is perfect. You know, so call him up. He's in LA. And we've called multiple times to try to coordinate. Look, we just we just need 20 minutes, just 20 minutes. So his name is Bob Damon. You know, his assistant's like, who are, what, what's the name of this? What What is this? And so (laughs) Bob finally took the meeting because as Michelle said, look, we're going to be in the area, even though we weren't, you know, we're going to be in your area. Can we just stop (laughs) in? Can we just get the 20 minutes? So we fly out there. Uh, I think we had one other intern in the company at the time. We go and we meet Bob in his corner, Beverly Hills office. He looks at us and he takes his time. He gets to know us. He's like, well, tell me about your family. Tell me about, you know. And he just talked to us, got to know us personally and then he said, well, how much you know how much money have you raised And I think at that time, what was it, Michelle, like four hundred thousand something like that four hundred yeah he laughed in our face, I mean completely He did he laughed at us. he was like, number one, you don't need a CFO. Number two, it usually is going to cost you at minimum $75,000 to walk through the door, you know, here. He's now chairman of our board. He's one of our largest investors. Wow. He's been super supportive. Uh, He's like family to both Michelle and myself. Uh, So it started with him laughing in our face. He's helped us ever since. He's a personal friend. He loves our products. He sleeps in our products. His wife loves the products. He's been a super supportive.
1: I like that, Michelle. That you said you are going to be out there to take the meeting, but you guys weren't really going to be out yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do. You have to do what you gotta do. And being an entrepreneur, people don't realize the undertaking when you say you are going to be an entrepreneur. The undertaking—it's almost like getting ready to be an athlete again. It's—it's mm-hmm. it's that same mental mentality. It's that same mental focus, and it's a lot to ask yourself to be an to be an entrepreneur. In terms of difficulties, also along the line. Being an entrepreneur, did you find that being in a male-dominated industry that it would be harder for you guys as females, or did you guys run into any problems with that?
2: We weren't afraid of it. We saw it as a challenge. We saw it as an opportunity to compete. We weren't afraid of it. And I think it's one of the reasons we think sports are so important for young women, because I think you learn skills. If we didn't have the skills of failing, we've had multiple failures. You know, we've had a lot of wins. But we've had multiple failures too, and you've got to be able to deal with lo- losses and evaluate why you lost. What'd you learn and grow from that? So that was important. But no, we weren't, we weren't intimidated in any way. And we still are not. Michelle is, and I think sh- as she describes our, our vision for the company is really to be the Kleenex of Sheets for the brand to, to have everyone in this country understanding the benefits of better quality sleep. And understanding how performance fabrics will help them sleep better. And so that's, you know, this vision for us, and we're not even close to that, you know, right now, you know, but that's still, that's still the vision. We love, we love playing for that vision every day. And we're still extremely excited about what we're doing.
0: And if you think about the sort of synonymous brands and brand names with products, you know, you you hear someone saying, I'm going to go get a Starbucks or I don't need a tissue. I, I need a Kleenex. Right. So there's all these types of brands that are just synonymous. And and Susan and I, when we first started out, we just we were bold and what we wanted and we said we want for people to say, I sleep in Sheeks," like I don't sleep in sheets. I sleep in Sheeks, which is the brand. Like Susan said, we're, we're not there yet, but we certainly have had the vision from day one, creating a category of performance betting that never had been created before. And so for us, it's just a, it's in our minds every single day with, with everything that we do. That's interesting.
1: That's interesting. Now, there's a huge correlation between sleep and mental health from anxiety to bipolar illness. That's why sleep, in my opinion, is one of the most imperative aspects of what we can do for our body. I'm a big believer in sleep for mental health. Was mental health an aspect you were focused with with Sheiks?
0: Not necessarily. It's, it was more for the restorative recovery there are so many avenues and in today's world, just with mental illness has become kind of in the forefront. And it wasn't when we started the business, you know, some 15 years ago, we, we didn't, we didn't have to think about that. Unfortunately, you know, now with how bad it is, there probably are things that we can be doing to get the brand out there in a way that just like we were talking earlier about performance and you're a performer, no matter what you do, the brain still needs that sleep, regardless of what disorder you have. I do know that we thought long and hard about, you know, just cancer patients and patients that really uh, just needed a, a great night's sleep in order to just feel okay the next day or to get through their next day. And, and so I don't know, Susan, if you want to add anything to this, but certainly the anxiety, the depression, everything that's happening in the world, Sheiks can be a solution for all of those kinds of health issues.
2: Yeah, mental health is critical. And I think with the internet and everything else, and, you know, being in in lockdown for, you know, two years now, almost, you know, you are hearing more and more about whether it's celebrity challenges with mental health or everyday people challenges with mental health. And it's a real issue. It's a real, real problem in the country. And sleep will help with how you feel. It's going to, it may not cure your whatever challenges you may be having,
1: but it will help. Now, you partnered with Relief Bed International and CERTA for Pajama Jam, an event held during Mental Health Weekend to benefit the Alcott's Fisher Place Center. Why do you feel it's important for Sheik to participate in these kinds of events?
2: You know, we, as I said before, we care about people, you know, and I think we provide a solution that can help people. And it's a great experience. It's not just about the benefits of our product. It's the experience of our product. It's like nothing. It's very different than your traditional bedding. And getting it out there, making people aware that it's available to them is is important. And so those types of things are very important to us,
1: Michelle. You had mentioned cancer, and uh, most recently, someone in my family just just had cancer. So I'm going to be definitely purchasing Sheiks for uh, them. So I really appreciate you know all you guys are doing and everything. What advice would you give young women looking to start their own business?
2: Find a mentor. Find somebody to help you. There is a book um, that I read and read it. Few years ago, but it's it probably is the most accurate depiction of the journey that founders have. And it's called traction. It's an entrepreneurial operating systems. It gives real examples. It has a practical plan to achieve your goals and how you should think about things and Needing to focus on the big things you need to get done and then fill those in with your tasks that have to get done. People become so task focused that you lose sight of what you're really trying to accomplish. That's important. But the book is called Traction by Gina Wickman. And I think it's the best book that I've read.
0: I was just thinking about advice for a young, young entrepreneur, female entrepreneur. Believe in yourself and, and know that you can do anything you put your mind to. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be really hard. Life doesn't give you just, you know, a plate of strawberries. Like there's like, you have to be ready to make sacrifices in order to become an entrepreneur because there's a reason why 95% of entrepreneurial ventures fail. Because people think that the entrepreneur billionaires out there that have made it, that get all the press, there's 5% of the probably 4%. And the other 95, 96% have failed at their Business within the first three to four years, so wow! I didn't know it was so high. Very high, Jane. It was. It's very high, and and it's challenging. And Susan and I look a lot different now than we <laughs> did when we first started the business, just from stress and just being completely all in all the time, you know. And and so we've both made sacrifices, and we both have had health issues through this, you know. And it's just you have to realize, you know, young woman entrepreneur that. It's just not going to be handed to you, you know, and and there's going to be some real challenges. I will say this. It's nice to have a business partner, a co-founder. I can't imagine having done this by myself. And I know Susan feels the same way. We've had each other to bounce ideas off, to get frustrations out, to handle this, the stress of what it's like to run a business. and, And it's been immense, but it's nice to have a co-partner that you can do that with and and kind of share, <laughs> share the stress and not just have it all on your shoulders.
2: Jay, I can tell you, Michelle and I, you know, that's another area where I think sports have served us well. In sports, you're on the court, you have a fight, you're upset with somebody, and then it's just gone. It's just like you dealt with it, it's over. Michelle and I can fight, you know, and be very direct with each other, fight with each other, and it does not impact you know, our our friendship or relationship at all. And, you know, I feel the same way Michelle does. Very fortunate to have a, a co-founder. We're very different people. I had to learn early on. Michelle kept reminding me as we both, you know, she worked for me in the past. You know, she had to remind me early on quite a bit that I do not work for you. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> we did have a lot of that. And But it's it's great to have a co-founder. I will also say, Jay, that there is a great community of super successful young female business owners out there, and we've been fortunate enough to spend time with them. There are a lot of they do a lot of seminars, they do a lot of a lot of uh, podcasts, conferences. Yeah, yep. I need more sleep. I think. <laughs> <laughs> They do a lot of podcasts, you know. It's just there is a great community of support out there for women that will will help. And just you know, don't be afraid to reach out to people. We made a lot of mistakes along the way, yeah, and we learned from those mistakes, and the other business women did too. But it's a great community of people.
0: What Susan's referring to, and we had won an award back in 2012, I believe, but it's the um, the EY, which is Ernst and Young, now rebranded as EY, winning women, and so we were selected. And it's amazing to be in a community of female entrepreneurs, successful, doing the same thing that you're doing to be able to bounce ideas off of and get together with them once a year, have Zoom meetings with them, you know, on certain issues. I I know EY actually, when COVID happened, we didn't know what to do. Nobody knew what to do with your employees, your business, the learning curve. There was no, we had no idea, but EY put together you know, got us all on the phone and there's probably hundreds now of these women from over the years. And they just took us through slide presentation after slide presentation to say, this is where you're going to find this resource. And this is where on, on the health side, on the business side, on the money side, on the financial side, on the stock market side, like they just hit every area and at a time where we needed it the most. And it was so timely And we feel so fortunate to have to be a part of those types of programs because you do you can't run a business in a silo like you need help. You need connections. You need people who can point you in a certain direction at a certain time, you know, through your journey of your business. I like to I've always said that being an entrepreneur, at least for us, was like being on amazing uh, the amazing race where you're together you go to a clue, you find a clue, you read it and it says, go that way. You go that way. And somehow you, you, you lose where you are <laughs> and you backstep and then you retrace and then you go back and find another clue, find another clue. And that's sort of how we've zigged and zagged through being entrepreneurs. But along the way, like you need people, you just can't do it by yourself.
1: You said some very important words because we all need mentors, whether, whether any aspect of life, we do all need mentors. And I always say your greatest strengths are arm's length. The people you can reach out to, those are going to be your strengths in life. So it's, it's, it's very important to have a mentor, somebody you can work with. And, and you guys are doing a great job. And you guys have a lot of uh, synergy between the two of you, just speaking with you guys. With Sheiks, what legacy do you want to leave behind?
2: It's a it's a good question. And one, I don't I think, Jay, we don't really think about enough. I mean, we wanted to reinvent the betting category. I mean, that was our goal, you know, in our vision, you know, so that would be, you know, we'd like to be known for that. I think with our team, we'd like to be known as good people who really cared for them. And, uh, you know, that's important. I think, you know, certainly being remembered as being good, caring, kind leaders. That's important. You know, same in coaching. I mean, you still have the relationships with your former players and big events happen. They call you and, you know, those relationships are very important. But I would say on the business side, reinventing, reinventing this category and getting people to understand how unique this is.
0: I would say I would add to that and say to have Sheiks be not only a U.S. brand, but a global brand, therefore are in, in using Sheiks to make change. And to continue to inspire women and young women throughout the world, because it's not really just about the United States. It's about, you know, the global effect of what kind of change that we could make, especially young, young girls, young women's lives. We've partnered with University of Tennessee, the Center for Sport, Peace, and Society. They have done some amazing work over the years with females, entrepreneurs, basketball players, women in sport Globally, we've partnered with them. Uh, I'm going to go to Albania. Going to spend some time with some girls. So these girls are from Afghan and they're basketball players. When the Taliban took over Afghanistan, there's three people that they they just sort of hunted down. One was female athletes because of Sharia law. They just weren't you're not allowed to be an athlete and be a female. Wow. The other was media or you know any kind of reporter. And the other wasn't, was educators or teachers. So those three, they would go door to door, the Taliban, and they would hunt down these players. And it was a matter of life and death. FIFA, the Federal International Football Association, and, you know, soccer, whatnot, they chartered a flight for these Afghan girls. There's 29 of them. And they landed, they first went to Qatar. And then from Qatar, they ended up in Albania. And so we are going to. Uh, I think ESPN is is bringing a film crew because they're trying. They're going to follow the journey of these Afghan basketball players. So I'm going over, get t-shirts made, hashtag Operation Basketball. We're going to do some clinics, love on them, and just let them know that they're wanted and loved and needed. And to, we're going to provide just any kind of resources for them that we can. Any kind of whether it be sports bras or shoes or basketballs or anything like that. Those are the kind of things, when you say legacy, that's what it inspires me. It's not just about running a really successful brand. It's how can we use that brand to make change in the world? I'm going to start doing this more often because it's so impactful and so meaningful. If we can even change those 29 lives and use Sheiks in a way to help them get a better night's sleep. Because I'm sure, I will tell you right now, they're not sleeping very well. They have left their families completely, has abandoned them because of the situation over there. So that's just a really cool story. I'm so excited to go and to grab some video and and just start to share the brand in a, a new and different way. That's
1: amazing work you guys are doing. Thanks. If we want to learn more about Sheiks and about you guys, where can we find you on social media?
0: We're on Instagram. We're on, you know, sheiks.com, obviously our website, but we're, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook, but the best would be sheiks.com.
2: You know, I think our story is there. It's not all that prominent there, which we've been, we've been criticized for, but the story. The story's there. The products, products are there. You know, we're on, we are on social media. We're not, we're not that big on social media. There are athletes out there that sleep on our product. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns is one. You know, we've got several behind us. We have a lot of celebrities buy our product, gift our product, which is kind of cool. A lot of athletes do too, and we build custom sheets for those the custom beds, you know, the longer beds that some of the athletes have. Word of mouth has been great. The, our our customer base and the loyalty, and you know, 14,000 five star reviews. It's it's a lot of it's been word of mouth.
1: Well, that's amazing. Well, you guys are doing some great work, and I'm really proud of you guys. And it was an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Susan and Michelle. Thanks, Jay. Thank you, Jay. Well, I want to say thank you so much to Susan Walvris and Michelle Marceniak for joining us on the show today to celebrate women in business. Make sure to subscribe to Stories of Strength. And if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review and tell us what you like. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Jay Cardiello, and this has been Stories of Strength, Personal and Inspirational Tales of Redefined Strength, presented by MuscleTech.